listen to these words from Luke chapter 14. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made again? It is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown out. He who has ears to hear, let him hear the word of the Lord. So um, in a few minutes, uh, we're going to have a couple of youth come up here, um, but I just kind of want to set the table for them. Um, my name's Tim. Uh, I'm one of the elders here at the church, and uh, I had the privilege of working with actually five of our youth uh, to prepare this part of the service. And uh, I don't know if Jackson is here. Okay. Can you stand up for... No? Okay. Um, so Jackson actually worked uh, quite a bit uh, working on one of the manuscripts that you're about to hear. And also um, Chloe and Christopher, who uh, have also grown up in the church, um, they actually uh, really put a lot into um, the bit that I'm about to present to you. Um, so, you know, in my house, uh, it's interesting. Um, there's uh, this 40-year gap between me and my youngest uh, child, who happens to be a boy. And, you know, our... Um, viewing habits, uh, it turns out, are very, very different from the three strong, empowered women in between us, uh, my wife and his two older sisters. So, you know, I'm kind of looking forward to um, uh, a football game that's going to be played at 8.30 tonight. And, uh, and, uh, and my son, um, I find him, you know, when he's allowed to uh, look at the device on Saturday, streaming like a Pokemon video. But uh, all three women, my wife and my two daughters, they have been gravitating to uh, some of these reality shows. Uh, so my wife was really into this show called uh, Love It and List It, uh, which is when um, um, the, the, these brothers, uh, no, no, it's a couple actually, who uh, they try to find a house that uh, someone might want to buy, uh, while um, uh, another part of the couple, they're actually trying to uh, fix up the house and, and remodel it and make it better. And then they have to decide, the, you know. Do you want to stay or do you want to move? Um, and then another, um, the older daughter, she, she, it's her first year in college. She was in, into this show called Chopped, which is a kind of a cooking show. And, uh, and basically, you, you're thrown these ingredients that you don't have any advanced knowledge, and you have to quickly put them together into something edible. And my last one is into this great English baking show. Um, she's, she's 13. And so, um, you know, actually... Uh, this whole process of uh, preparing to do this sermon has been a little bit like one of these cooking shows. And it's not just that we're talking about salt. Um, I actually started with square one with these youth. And I talked to them about sermons. And I said, you know, every sermon needs to have a main idea. An idea has a subject and a complement. Um, you need to uh, think about centering your message uh, in God's word, but also in the congregation. And uh, basically, I think I told them also that, um, you know, a, a good preacher can speak for an hour and it feels like 20 minutes, but a not so good preacher will speak for 20 minutes and it'll feel like an hour. And, you know, they really track with me the whole way. So I'm about to, um, again, set the table for them. But I, you know, we, we talked about how uh, when we come to the word of God, we need to figure out what it's saying and then what it means and then what it means for us. 
And um, I actually wanted to cover a little bit about what Chloe and Christopher came up with when we actually uh, looked at the scripture. So um, can we put that scripture back on the, uh, on the uh, screen from Luke? Okay. Oh, you don't actually have the, the words? Yeah? Okay. So um, I'll read it again then. Uh, salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown out. Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. So, you know, we walked together as a group, a team, and we said, okay, here's what the scripture's saying. That salt is good. It brings out the best in foods, and it also preserves foods. You know, because in Jesus' context, when he taught this, there was no refrigeration and supply chain management, you know, your whole foods. It was pretty much very much farm to table. And um, so uh, in his context, salt was essential uh, to sustain people in their diets. And um, this is the real theological, um, I think, controversy, which we won't get into today. But um, he says that, Jesus says that salt can actually lose its saltiness. And so I think that will be debated until, you know, the theologians can actually meet Jesus and ask him once for all what he meant. But uh, it, is, it is kind of a sobering thing to think saltiness, uh, salt can lose its saltiness. And then finally, he says that um, the salt that does lose its saltiness um, is, is worthless. Even dirt is more valuable. You know, even manure is more valuable. Because, you know, again, in that context, you grow things in the dirt and you fertilize with manure. And salt that has saltiness, you can't even throw it out on the ground or on the manure pile. Okay, so here's what the scripture um, means for us, okay? And there are two questions here that uh, I'm going to ask you, and I'd like to have you think about in your context what it means. And then I'll have um, Kirsten and uh, then Sophie come up and, and share more about that. Okay, so the first question is this. How do we dis stay distinct from the culture that surrounds us. Because, you know, the great thing about salt, let's say if you like some kind of meat or even some kind of vegetable dish, is that the salt can't become the meat. The salt can't become the vegetable in order to do its job of preserving and bringing out the best flavors, you know? Um, so how do we stay distinct from the culture? Yet at the same time, the second question is, how do we bring out the best and the culture that's around us. So we can't just stay distinct in the shaker. We have to come out of the salt shaker and we have to get out and engage in our culture in order to bring out the best of the culture around us and to help preserve the people around us. You know, it's hard, you know, I, going into the office, going into school, uh, sort of the commutes and the personalities that you see commuting um, and even, you know, being disappointed by a neighbor or a friend, you know, even someone in our church. All these things are challenges, and how do we continually go back and engage and stay salty? So this is, I think, the challenge of the scripture uh, that Jesus teaches us. Okay, so, you know, I talked to Chloe and Christopher. There was one Sunday when it was just happened to be two of them, and it was amazing uh, when I asked them, so how do we stay salty? And this is what they came up with. So if you could go to the next slide. Um, they said, well, uh, we have faith, and we have hope, and we have love. And, you know, faith is knowing 
that, you know, when God spoke that final word of Jesus, that uh, there was the ultimate victory in that. You know, in the art of war, there's this quote, uh, the battle is won before it's fought. And the ultimate battle against sin and death was fought and won by Jesus. Uh, Now, it may not be easy for us to remember that, but we can have faith in that. And uh, following that hope, we just finished a seven-week series on hope. Uh, And, you know, we talked about this in my small group. A lot of you were in small groups too. But hope is essential because it does so many important things for us. It releases us from our past, right? Uh, Hope uh, helps us bounce back from the failures that we encounter. Uh, It turns out that, oh, here's Jackson. Jackson, I was telling them about you and how you uh, helped us with the manuscripts. Jackson's here. Okay. Um, So, Jackson, so glad that you could be here and and make it. So, okay. So, um, uh, um, hope um, releases us from our past. It also helps us bounce back from from failures. And, you know, I've read uh, in numerous articles that most people who have successful uh, Internet startups, they uh, were preceded by at least one failure. Uh, But you need hope to not just say, well, I had this one failure. I'm giving up. No, you... You, you, you fail forward, you figure out, okay, what did I learn from this failure? And then you get back and try again. And that's what hope does. Uh, another thing that hope does is that it um, helps us to start dreaming again, you know. And the church, you know, we, do, we don't have a perfect track record. But the church has been amazing in bringing literacy to the world, you know, in bringing health care to the world and building hospitals, uh, education, universities, you know, uh, uh, the abolition of slavery. Um, The church was actually very active in a lot of these important movements. And uh, again, that's uh, hope, people dreaming that it doesn't have to be the way it is now. And and hope does that. So we learned about hope being essential. And, you know, then the greatest thing of these things is love. So just in them saying that, you know, it was amazing. So quickly, you know, they talked about the gospel, you know, having that abundant life, uh, having that ultimate forgiveness and uh, ultimate victory. And they talked about spiritual gifts and talents. We talked about that as well. Um, support from the Holy Spirit, family, friends, the church. Um, Christopher said, oh, we have free will. And he's right. You know, we, we have this capacity to choose Jesus. And, and finally, um, the courage. You know, we have um, courage from God. We don't have a spirit of timidity, but of power you know, and that helps us to be distinct from the culture. Okay, so I'm now going to turn it over uh, to the youth to uh, bring it home, and hopefully I've set the table, you've heard about some of the ingredients, and now you're about to see and taste the finished product. certain standards and expectations. In fact, when we talk about culture, 
It almost always suggests several expectations in itself. No matter who you are or where you come from, I'm sure at some point in your life you felt that you have some kind of standard you need to live up to. Many teenagers like myself deal with what is commonly known as peer pressure. Peer pressure is defined as the influence up from members of one's peer group or friend group. A lot of our youth in the church attend public school, myself included. In public school, you're constantly surrounded by people who have different cultures, ideas, backgrounds, and beliefs than you. We are often influenced by those around us. This is both a beautiful thing, a wonderful thing, and a scary thing. It can be difficult to stay on your own path rather than follow someone else's. I'll give a little bit of background on myself so you can further understand my story later. Personally, I grew up in a Christian household, but we would only go to church on occasions such as Christmas, Easter, and a few other holidays. I knew who God was, but I was yet to understand that he really knew me. I knew he was someone who was very important, but I didn't understand why I would be important to him. I started to get these answers when I started coming to Trinity regularly. I started coming here regularly when two of my best friends to this day, shout out to Amber and Jack, who played some really great music earlier, introduced me to the church. They had been coming here since they were little, and they had told me such great things about it. Since I'm currently in 10th grade, I've been coming with them since 7th, and Amber, Jack, and Jackson and I always have fun every time we come here on Sundays. I found this place with summer, I found this place with summer somewhere where I was comfortable and almost felt at home. I had never experienced that in a church before, and it was the most insane feeling. The most important thing I learned here was that I could find myself in Jesus. He was a large part of my identity, and he was something I wanted to share with the rest of the world. This leads me to my next point. How are we supposed to find our identity in Jesus if a lot of the world seems to be pushing us away from that? I've been in a few tough situations recently where I had to trust myself to do the right thing, the thing that Jesus would have wanted me to do. I'm going to share a quick story of peer pressure I've faced in my own life. This was about two months ago. Summer was almost over, and everyone was trying to get back into the routine of real life. One of my big friend, friend groups from public school was having a big blowout end of summer party. I don't know how many of you remember how wild and crazy some high school parties can get, but it can get kind of bad. I, know there would most, I knew there would most likely be some kinds of alcohol and maybe even drugs at this party. My gut feeling was that something bad was going to happen. Being a high schooler, my brain hasn't fully developed yet, so I tried to ignore these thoughts. All of my friends are going, so I would think, you know what, I have to go. I was so torn. A few days before the party, one of my friends asked us how she should get drinks for the party. One person said, use your fake ID. It'll be fine. You can get away with it. Another person responded, yeah, use your fake. I'll try to sneak some from my house. My parents would never notice. I was a bit uneasy by this talk. As much as I wanted to be okay with everything that was going on, and I wanted to have fun with my friends, I knew in my heart there was something wrong. In the back of my head, all I could hear was 1 Corinthians 15.33. Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins bad mor good morals. All I wanted in that moment was to know what the right thing to do is. Should I go to the party and try not to participate in anything bad? I had a feeling if I went, I would be pressured to do all of the wrong things. The feeling that lies deep within all of us is a sense of needing to belong, and it was definitely present then, and even more so at the, it would be at the party. Should I not go at all? I just wanted to be accepted into the group and yet, at the same time, stay true to myself. 
In this situation, it felt like it was gonna be one or the other. I knew what I had to do. I talked to the friend hosting the party one-on-one. -on -one. She was also a Christian, and I knew she had good morals, but sometimes made bad decisions. I told her everything that was weighing on my heart. Although she seemed understanding, she was still gonna throw the party and keep the things I told her I was uncomfortable with there. I ended up making an appearance at the party a few nights later when it was finally thrown, but I only stayed long enough to say a quick hi and then left. Later that night, I met up with different friends and we spent the evening talking, laughing, and just enjoying each other's company. We didn't need anything like alcohol or drugs to have fun. I was really proud of myself for this and I told a close family friend named Lori. Her first response was, Kirsten, in Proverbs 13.20, it says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. You made a wise decision, you stood your ground, and you stayed true to who you are even though it was hard. You did as the Lord called you to do. In that moment, I knew I had done the right thing. There's an old somewhat cliche saying of sometimes the hard thing and the right thing are the same. In this situation, that was very true. Think about what kind of pressures you face in your everyday life. Whether you're 15 and going through a similar experience that I went through, or 55 and feeling as though people expect you to be a certain way, date a certain person, have a certain job, or whatever the case may be, we all face this kind of pressure. No matter who you are, everyone wants to feel as though they belong. It can be hard to stand up for what you believe in if it doesn't fit in with what everyone, thinks, everyone else thinks is right. But whenever I feel pressured to do something, I also like to think of the story of John the Baptist. John was a man who wasn't afraid to stand up for what he believed in. He wasn't worried about fitting in with the crowd or trying to please people. He spoke his truth even when people didn't love it, and he always had Christ centered in his heart. It is important for us to all tear a page out of John's book as we try to heal our culture and pass the salt. When Jesus told us about salt, he had high hopes for us. He wanted us to stay distinct from the culture, and yet at the same time, he wanted us to preserve the culture and bring out the best in it. Even though it can be difficult and sometimes we mess up, it's vital that we stay on the path that Jesus has set for us. Thank you for listening to this message. years and my brother has been going for 14. I am the younger sibling although many people don't believe it. I've had to sort of learn to be one step ahead because my brother has something called Down syndrome. Many people in society today believe that everyone has to be clones of a certain person. If they see someone with disabilities like my brother they're going to have fear. I have witnessed people who have bullied my brother because he is different. I have to explain to them listen he is capable of so much more things. He is also helping out today with, at communion. Ethan is brilliant, and if you get to know him, you will see he is extremely outgoing. You could literally put him outside with a stick, and he would be happy. One time I walked into class, and the people around me were like, hey, Ethan, and I was like, how do you make friends so easily? What I'm trying to say is, I know many people here know Ethan, but if you talk to him, you will learn he is capable of so much more. If you talk to him about Star Wars, he will answer 99.9% .9 of the questions right. Ethan being my brother has had some downsides, but then again, most siblings fight. 
But with him as my brother, he has helped me become salt in my home. And that has prepared me for when I have to step outside and face the real world. I have learned so much from being a sister in my family that I'm able to go out into the world and see many things more clearly. I also know that there is mo much more to people that meets the eye. I think this is part of Jesus' teaching, that we really need to see clearly and understand more than we what we can see in order to be salty salt. How can you be salt in your home, and how can you be salt outside your home? Thank you for listening to this message. Thank you. Thank you. So um, if we're able to <clears throat> disciple these youth and launch them out, maybe give them opportunities that maybe even we didn't have uh, in, the, in the 90s or 80s, in my case, the 70s, um, I think that uh, we, we're going to have a great generation uh, to hand the church over to. Uh, let's close in prayer. Uh, Father, we thank you uh, again for all your great gifts. We thank you that uh, every one of these youth um, is fearfully and wonderfully made, and uh, they have so much potential uh, that can be realized uh, in our sight today. Uh, we pray that, Lord, you will not hold us back, but that we will move forward with our youth uh, in boldness, uh, with enthusiasm. Lord, we pray that you will uh, take our discipleship uh, to a new level and uh, help us to make disciples that will go out um, and really shake the world up and bring heaven uh, down here on earth. Uh, we give you thanks. We claim your promises. Uh, we celebrate your joy, your, your, your victory, your power. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.